Hello, hello there, guys. <sighs> Welcome back to That One Blank Friend. I am Sadia Rashid. I am your host. If this is your first time coming to this space, welcome. If you are not new, welcome back to season two. This is where it's at. What have you guys been up to? I mean, now that summer is officially over, well, first of all, did you actually have a summer? Did it exist? Because honestly, for me, it felt like it didn't exist. I, what, what did I do this summer? Well, I did interviews. I started working out again. R- rather, I started working out consistently. So that was a really good thing for me. I was excited about that. I started some um, minor renovations on the kitchen. My husband did most of that, but I did all the decorative stuff, picking out, you know, picking out the paint and picking out the hardware. We've been wanting to do that for a while. So it was nice to get that ball rolling. We're still not finished. So we're still got a few things left to do in the kitchen, but we're on our way. So that's good. So yeah, I feel like my summer was productive, but it wasn't relaxing, which I have a feeling that a lot of people are probably having that same feeling considering we can't really go anywhere and fly anywhere and really not supposed to even be at the beach. But, you know, I see pictures of people there anyway. But hey, I don't blame you. I I get it. We all need to get out. I think at this point, six months into this is that where we're at, you know, everybody is stir crazy. But now it's after Labor Day. We're in fall. I think everybody's mind is on the election. How are you feeling? I, I, I don't, I don't know how I'm feeling y'all. I'm, I'm worried and I'm hoping, I think if you guys are listening, you probably have figured out by now that um, my political leanings are definitely more liberal and progressive, a mixture of both. I do have some moderate ideals, but to summarize, I'm definitely not voting for Trump. <laughs> I think you probably surmised that by now. Um, yeah, not voting for him. But I am I'm worried because I really want people to get out there and vote and I want them to take this seriously. And that all brings me to my guest today, Kristen Bry. Kristen Bry is a friend of mine. She has been doing the work we're going to discuss her project that brought her back into acting. And we're going to talk about her projects that have really been the intersection of her connection to acting and also political awareness and social awareness. She has a website below the fold that did a lot of videos kind of raising people's consciousness about social and political issues. And now this year, she has been completely invested in her newest project, which is As Goes Wisconsin, which is a nonpartisan nonprofit that is focusing on getting out the vote in Wisconsin this year, this fall. That has been her focus for the last couple of months. So we're just going to get an idea of her journey. And I believe you're definitely going to learn a lot of things along the way about the world and how to stay more involved, but also just really, you know, being aware of your part in this whole thing and how you can make truly America great again, which I think the first step is by voting. So before we get into this interview, if you're back, if this is your second season and you've listened to our other stuff, 
Have you gone to our iTunes and have you rated? Have you given a review? If you haven't, please do that. That would help us tremendously in gaining more listeners and driving more people to the podcast. So I would greatly appreciate it. If you are listening on Spotify, just share this podcast with one person. Maybe send them a text, send them the link, send them you know, your favorite episode of the first season and just say, hey, I thought you might like this. That would be a tremendous help as well. And I would greatly appreciate it. So yeah, those are two ways you can help spread the word about that one blank friend. Also, you know, feel free to reach out to us about what you want to hear. If you're writing a review, like tell me, What do you want to listen to? What kind of stories do you want? What kind of friends do you want me to tap into? I would love to get more uh, insight about that. So yeah, let me know. Let me know. All right. Uh, One more thing I forgot to add. If you have listened to the first season, you might be aware in the second season that it sounds a little bit different. And that's because we're in a pandemic. And so all my guests have been through Zoom, not in real live in person in my closet. So hence a difference in the quality of sound, but not in the quality of content. So I hope that doesn't turn you off. If you listen to a lot of podcasts, you're probably used to it by now um, during this time. So uh, please don't judge us by that. Um, But I hope you still enjoy. And let's get into this interview with Kristen Bry. Here we go. Kristen, okay, so I like to start from the very beginning um, as to how Below the Fold and your new project with Wisconsin, how they both evolved. So let's go back to where you got this idea, because I know that you went to school researching women's health and public policy. Is that where this came from, or was it some other moment that brought you to think, oh, you know what, I need to start creating these videos about politics and really make them digestible so more people can understand what's going on. Yes. I mean, I feel like it actually probably started because I was, it's, I was an actor. So, I mean, that's, I moved from Wisconsin, from Madison, Wisconsin, I left when I was 16 to move to LA and become an actor. And that's when uh, we first met you. <laughs> and that's when we first met when I, when Camille was sneaking me into bars. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I grew up thinking I was going to be a performer, like okay. full stop. And I made it out there. I was, I had an agent, I had a manager. I was, you know, I was doing well enough. Like I booked some projects, but you know, I mean, all of us who are in, who have done that know what that life is like. And I, by the time I was about 20, I think I realized how little control you have over your life when you're an actor. And it never dawned on me to create my own stuff. Like, I feel like I quit acting professionally right when YouTube was becoming a thing. And like, people were just like going by the gatekeepers and making their own stuff and just being able to be creative. And so I was like, all right, I want more control over my life than acting feels like. It gives me decided to go to college, started at community college, which I think I did the thing that a lot of college students go through. You go through that like wokeness of like learning things about like your first like women's studies 101. You're like, <laughs> what? 
you know, like your first African-American studies class, you're like socialism class, uh, not socialism, uh, social uh, sociology class. And like, you know, like you just get woken up to like all of the injustices of the world. Right. And why is all this happening and no one's doing anything? And you want to fix all of it. And you're like, and so I transferred to UC Berkeley. Well, I made my own major. And so it was like a combined public health with women's studies. And then I did a minor in uh, public policy, thinking I was very much on the path to go work for like an NGO and like hand out birth control in Kenya or something like that, right? Now, what's and, I'm, I'm, I have no idea what an NGO is. What is that? Uh, non-governmental organization. So it's okay. like International Planned Parenthood or all, like, all the kind of family um, planning type organizations that help women specifically uh, because like microfinance, like my, my, my honors thesis was like the effect of microfinance on maternal mortality. You know, it's like, that's what I thought I was going to (laughs) do. That's an interesting thesis. It was, it wasn't, it was also like pretty obvious. It's like, oh, when you give women money, when you put them in charge of how to spend money for the family, like everyone does better. Like basically, it didn't matter. I can attest to that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah. So I mean, it was fascinating, but it also was like, when I graduated, I was in the Bay Area. And it was like, all right, I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to go get my MP, like a master's in public health. I don't want to be a lawyer. So it was like, it felt like the only way to pursue that, that felt tangible was being like an entry level marketing person at a nonprofit, which also felt so indirect. And so then I, because it was the Bay Area, I was like, all right, I'm going to go get a job in the private sector in tech because I'll learn some skills and then maybe I'll be able to apply those to come back and do stuff that I actually care about in my 30s. So then I was riding the like startup wave for a while. And And what were you doing with the tech startups? Mostly uh, like sales development. So like I, so kind of the bridge between like cold calling, like finding prospects, trying to like open the door. And then I managed a team and I grew multiple teams and like, I was, I was good at it, but it was just, it was interesting because it took basically Trump getting elected to be like, what am I doing? Like, I don't care about technology. I don't care about sales. I, it was like almost a one-two punch. So it was like, I was already starting to feel like, I don't know if this is it. And I was already starting to outgrow San Francisco. So literally Trump got elected. And within like two or three weeks, I moved to New York with my company. And I think it was like the combination of this new world of Trump being president. And then also getting out of the bubble that was San Francisco and tech in San Francisco and being in New York where like, there's just so much happening. And it, w- it was just kind of a realization, like, I can't do this anymore. But I also didn't know what it was. And so I quit without much of a plan. And so I, I still like made money from like consulting and doing like sales stuff on like a like a pro uh, like a freelance basis. But I got back into performing like I started um, doing like sketch and stand up and improv in New York. And it was the first time that I feel like I was performing for fun instead of trying like what it was when I was a teenager in LA, which was like trying to get hired. And so, it's right. like, so you know, it's like, you know, yeah. so often when we're at, I think especially in LA, I think it's easier to find a stage to be on in New York and just have any audience and feel that joy versus so much of LA is like, unless it's a paid gig, it's like you pay, like you, you like act in acting class and your auditions. And then if you get hired. 
but no, there was I totally agree with that. I think there's more respect in New York doing it just for the love of doing it. Whereas here it's so in Los Angeles, it's so based around, like you said, about money and exposure. Yeah. And so it's like, I felt like it was the first time that I got to do, it reminded me why I like performing and like the act of it, regardless of like needing to get an agent and all that stuff. But I think I've also, I'd also grown of like the things that, especially the comedy I like the most is like political comedy. It's like the daily show last week tonight. It's like how you use comedy as a conduit to teach people things. Right. And so that's kind of where I first got this idea of taking, you know, decoded, which is Francesca Ramsey on MTV, or there's another woman named Liz Plank who makes these like short videos. Like there was content that I really liked to engage with that I found interesting that would use humor as like the entry point. And so like, I want to make that stuff. But knowing that I didn't have the resume to get hired to make it, I was like, well, I guess I'll just teach myself how to do this. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's kind of what it, it, I did. And then, and, and so that was a ritual. So the, the, the evolution of it was first it was actions to withstand, which was a mouthful. And it was like very much in the resistance, like one thing you can do a day to like fight the Trump presidency. Actions and then, to withstand. Actions to withstand. So that's like, if you go back way early on the YouTube channel, it's called that. <laughs> Then I realized, ah, oh, like maybe this is like because most of the actions just ended up being like, call your senator, like right, felt repetitive to the same place. So then it was like, then it shifted to like social justice, and that's when it became below the fold because it was issues. I was trying to focus on issues that didn't give get as much press. But then I also realized, like, I don't know if I'm the face to be talking about the social justice issues as far as a lot of like like black lives matter and stuff like, like it's stuff that i really care about but am right. i like you know making space for the people whose experience that actually is to be the people who are talking about it so then i shifted to trying to how do you do it in a non-partisan way like how do you actually because there's so many people out there like if you take like the crooked medias of the world who rile up their base and are preaching to the choir and i started thinking like how do you make stuff that doesn't immediately have people go this isn't for me and like at least, even if you don't change their mind, at least make them go, huh, hadn't thought of it like that. And I kind of assumed, again, using humor, using facts, using language that doesn't like blame and like, you know, use kind of like binary language. And it also just seemed original because everyone seems like so dug in on one side or the other that I was like, all right, well, maybe this is the way to go. And so that's kind of how Below the Fold, where I left it so far. It was like, I moved to LA, I was going to try to like pitch this idea as this like nonpartisan, factual, short, quibby type show. But so, um, um, just to give a little timeline. Um, so by the time you had moved to LA, it evolved into Below the Fold. Yes, it, it evolved into Below the Fold. So like, timeline was November 2017 was the first video I ever put out. Then by summer 2018 it turned into below the fold and then by summer 2019 it was below the fold as like nonpartisan. let's not just preach the choir as the as the focus so then that got me to february of this year where i still was like wanted to pitch the show but also knowing that the whole thing that got me into this in the first place or kind of like woke me up was this feeling that like i didn't do anything 
nothing in 2016 for that election. Like I just kind of was in my like ivory liberal tower in San Francisco, surrounded by a bunch of like elitist tech liberals and not having any idea what was going on in the rest of the country, not having like, just kind of assuming like other people were taking care of it. Right. Um, And so knowing that I didn't want to have that same feeling this year of like, I didn't do anything at all. And knowing that I am from Wisconsin, which is notoriously one of the closest states for presidential elections, not even for presidential elections, for almost every election here, it is like truly a purple almost entirely 50-50 split state where like three out of the last five presidential elections have been decided within a percentage point. Our governor, our current governor won with like 20,000 votes. Like it is very split. And there's like, a there's also like a significant or consequential amount of like split ticket voters who like, you just can't predict how, how they're, they're going to go. Yeah. And so knowing that my connection to Wisconsin, I was like, oh, this might make an interesting documentary. Like, let's go focus on this, these groups of people who um, are going to be so heavily targeted in the election this year, like the black population, the the black community, specifically in Milwaukee, that like totally got dragged for like not turning out for Hillary, which is bullshit. But like, there's that community, there's like suburban moms, there's these like split ticket, but there's like all these people who are going to be like so heavily targeted. And I wanted to make a story of like, what does it feel like to be one of those demographics in a swing state in like, a really intense election. So that was the plan. And I came home March 15th <laughs> and I couldn't film anything. <laughs> and as we speak, you're still there. <laughs> and I'm still in central Wisconsin at my parents' house. I am 34 years old living with my parents. It's fine. It's totally fine. Um, because what it transitioned into, which is, it's what's funny is that it didn't click that I should have just done below the fold, but for Wisconsin. Like I had like the hubris thinking that I could just like make a documentary, even though I've never made one before, instead of what's now evolved to is like, how do you take the same concepts that I was already doing with below the fold, but narrow the focus and just make something for Wisconsin? Right. Like, and so now it's become, so the project's called As Goes Wisconsin. Um, full the, the you also the, have a separate YouTube page for that. Um, separate yes, below the fold. Yes, 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 yes. And so, because Wisconsin loves Wisconsin, and so I was like, well, this has to have Wisconsin in the title <laughs> if it's going to grow. Totally. Um, and so now it's become specifically like voter education. So because of mail-in voting and all of the debate that's happening with that, because there was a complete utter debacle that made national news of how Wisconsin de- handled. Like we voted during the middle of a pandemic because our Supreme Court like forced us to. And so in like, how do you teach people how to vote absentee? How do you like kind of overcome a lot of the ways that they've made it harder to vote? Um, While also educating on topics that are still complicated, that still like are hard to, you know, like the local news does a great job, but I would say the average person doesn't necessarily still watch the five o'clock local news, especially young people, right? Like I haven't had a TV yeah, I have cable since 2008. That. Yeah, I get right like little bites from, you know, w- looking online or like if I go to my CNN app or wherever. Yeah, I, I, I gosh, I haven't watched the five or six o'clock news and maybe like I know years and like how many local newspapers do you read like 
that's the other thing is like the, like there's people who are doing great work on covering local stories and local politics, but it's like, it's limited in its, the traditional format of being news. And so like, there was no one who was really like, how do you take some of these, you know, like how do you do a daily show or last week tonight, but only on Wisconsin stuff. And so that's kind of where the project sits now. It's like, I'm doing, I have, it's right now it's me and a uh, team of six University of Wisconsin interns who are awesome. And I was like, I can't pay you because I'm not paying myself, but if you want to do this and they're like, yep, let's do it. So like, we are just trying to pump out as much content that is like memes and infographics and TikTok videos and some longer videos that is like a combination of voter education, civics education, all through the lens of like Wisconsin culture and humor. And so I'm here until at least November. (laughs) Okay, so for a moment, I just want to go back to Below the Fold because that's how you got here. Yes. So can you explain to the listeners, if they don't know already, they probably, if, if they are a newspaper reader, they probably get it. But if they don't, what, where did that name come from? So below the fold is a term originally with newspapers when newspapers were still a physical thing that you bought or landed on your uh, doorstep. And basically above the fold was always considered like the titillating headlines that would actually sell newspapers. So like the thing that would actually get you to see, see it in like a newspaper stand, open it up and be like, I'm going to buy this. And all this other stuff would, that was called below the fold because literally when you fold a newspaper, it was on the bottom half of the page and you couldn't see it while it was just lying flat. So it was considered the stories that, while important enough to make the paper, weren't eye-catching enough to necessarily sell the paper. And so I originally came up with that name. It's also now for like websites, it's like what's on the top of the website versus the bottom of the website. But it's basically a, a you know tip of the hat to the stories that don't always get as much coverage or as, you know, specifically Trump, you know, he's like every headline. And so it's like, what are the things that are getting lost in between the things that are, you know, like the pop culture type things that are like easy to consume, but not necessarily informative. (laughs) Yeah, I always feel like the below the fold, like growing up reading the newspaper, I always felt like the below the fold stuff was stuff that was, like you said, really important. But also it was, it had the tone of like, this is important, but it's a lot to read. So if you want to read it, I mean, you're going to have to like start here and then continue like 10 more pages because this is all, you know, it's like stuff that was very important yet dense. Yeah. And like you said, although it it had, you know, an effect in politics or in our culture, it was just kind of like, well, we're going to put it here. But if you want to read it, we're not going to like, it just kind of had a very neutral quality to putting it at that place in the newspaper. Yeah. Um, so I love that you gave it that title. As far as the videos that you did under that name, I have to say, I because I looked at it, uh, quite a few of them, um, <laughs> I learned a lot of things. And, Good. you know, I consider myself to be not very well versed in politics. And I feel like a lot of people, what tends to happen is that there are those who just listen to the sound bites and like you said the big headlines and they base their arguments and their strategies on that and they don't go to seek the smaller tidbits that kind of lend itself into that 
And so I think that's what I like about your videos is because it you provide so much information on a particular subject and it's so compact and fun and just really for me I feel like it's very thought provoking and I so I have a couple of questions about some of the videos <laughs> just to let talk about some of them so uh, the one that you did recently about bailout for uh, for Mother's Day that one to me was really mind-blowing I had no idea that I mean, I, I knew about the bailout system, but I really didn't know how it affected mothers mm -hmm. to that extent. Um, and so obviously I'm going to have people point to the video, but I just want you to, if you can talk about that a little bit and like how, what was the, uh, what was at, at that time, what made you decide to put out that video? So I think it was, I, especially when I was focusing more on the social justice topics, like I was listening to, like a great source was um, Pod Save the People, which is uh, Pod Save, like under the pod, uh, Crooked Media, uh, DeRay McKesson, Brittany Packnett, I forgot who the other two hosts are, and they would always cover the news. And they, they did a really good job of like covering the stories, again, that don't necessarily get highlighted. And I had always known that, like, not always, but I had known through all this research that cash bail is a huge problem. Um, it's, it keeps poor people who, for no other reason than they did something trivial yeah. in jail for, yeah. It's, and, and so, but I had, it was through those, like that research that I was like, all right, Mother's Day, you know, it's like content creators, you try to align what is, what's going to be trending, what's like, what the, what's the holidays and stuff like that. And knowing kind of how that Mother's Day was coming up, um, that it was a good topic to bridge being like, this is how this, this ineffectively, or this like this um, indirectly, this archaic system is affecting not only like everyone, like poor people in general, but specifically poor mothers. And then the the ripple effects of that on their children and on the strain on the system that that can create. And like, there's, you know, it just felt like a really important topic because it's just something that I think people don't think about like unless it's like there's so many things that I feel like most of us um until it is directly affecting your life you just don't put two and two together yeah and so that felt like one that and then it, and it felt good because it felt like a tangible thing that I could at the end of the video say go look at this group they're doing this work if you want you know and I think I gave my mother's day gift to my mom that year was so this was 2019 was like I think I donated like a hundred dollars to that to the cash the bail moms out, um, and that's the thing that I think I I always want to bring back because like the news can be so depressing, yeah. but how do you make stuff that actually has an action tied to it, so you feel like you can do something after you've learned about it? Do you think that's one of the biggest lessons that you've learned as far as creating this type of content? Because I know in the beginning, you said all the actions kind of led to call your senator. Do you think that it helps to provide different outlets of action? Is there one particular action that you feel like in your videos has been, or rather, have you seen the results of any type of action that you put into your videos? 
whether it's been respond someone responding to you that it's really touched them or that they've said oh i didn't know about that that made me reach out to a b and c yeah i would say i mean it's all anecdotal like i don't i would say don't have the huge numbers or like the like the digital marketing or digital analytics background to like show like oh i had this click through rate on xyz and then they clicked on this and stuff like that like as a one man band or one woman band like that's the stuff i don't like so i just don't do it yet um but i would say the the reason why like even though this is hard and i'm not really making any money from it yet and i haven't made it i never made even from the fold it was every time i got a message of someone saying i didn't know that or like i had um like i have a distant relative who lives in Wisconsin, but he once messaged me. He's like, I, he's like a middle-aged white guy. And he was like, I often share my videos with my buddies. And then we like debate about them. Like we would do like, it brings up a debate and like, it always is interesting. <laughs> and you know, or like I did, I made a census video this year and I had multiple people be like, that made me actually want to take, like fill out the census. And so I think it's, so far, it's been the anecdotes of people coming back and either saying, oh, that reminded me to get my absentee ballot or that, like, I never knew about this topic. So, like, that is what makes me want to keep doing it. And, like, because that is the reason why I do it, right? Like, I don't think, I think that's what, I have very little interest in going back to being, like, an actress. Um, I really only have interest in making stuff that actually kind of tries to move the needle for people. And so that getting that feedback is always is like the reminder of like, oh, this is why the effort is worth it, even if it's only like a handful of people, because it does like make me feel like, all right, this is we're on to something. If even some people get something out of this that makes them either donate, finish an action or if they just share it with someone and have a conversation. Yeah, I love on your website the actions or rather you you point out why people would watch Below the Fold. So you say, I'm going to read it directly from the website. Watch Below the Fold to drop water at the knowledge cooler. Trust you cast the right vote. Throw down with your conspiracy uncle. Outsplain a mansplainer. Or see both sides. And I love... <laughs> all of those because it gets even more specific about how someone can use it for good. I feel like we're in this, this space where uh, with Trump and with the election and with Black Lives Matter and with all this activism going on, I feel like there's a lot of people trying to arm themselves with as much information that they can to really, when they enter these arguments or discussions or whatever they are, that they can really explain their side and explain their point as fully and as factually as possible. So I love that your videos really lend themselves to that uh, with a sense of humor. The other video that I really enjoyed was how to lower the abortion rate. <laughs> I liked it because the answer was just so simple. It's I feel like that video falls under the see the other side because for us who are left-leaning it makes so much sense but i feel like for someone who's a little bit more conservative it doesn't and i like that you presented it in a way where it was where you kind of called out the simplicity of the solution so clearly that 
it almost like if you're i feel like if you're watching it then you you almost can't you'd have to be an idiot i feel like to not agree with that honestly after watching that video <laughs> you have to be because it's just the solution just seemed so simple <laughs> yeah so for the listeners who probably haven't seen it uh this video is me being kind of a sarcastic asshole but it's, it was, I made it during the time where all of these anti-abortion laws were getting passed. And in, in the studies of like, if the method, cause the thing that I try to get at is like, all right, a lot of times on some basic things, a lot of us, no matter which way you lean, you want the same outcome, but you, you argue on what the methods are to get there. And abortion feels like one of those things that we can all agree on is like, yeah, like let's have less abortions. And all of the proof shows that making abortion illegal so in countries like latin american countries and countries that are like predominantly catholic still have some of the most strict or the strictest anti-abortion laws and like one of the highest abortion rates and like the countries that have the most lenient abortion laws but also coupled with comprehensive sexual education and like access to birth control have the lowest abortion rates and so it's like if we're talking about lowering abortion which is what I think both sides want because I don't know any women who have an unplanned pregnancy who are like, yes, I get to get yeah. an abortion. <laughs> like, oh, whatever. <laughs> so that's kind of how the, the, the video plays out of just being like, if this is what your intended goal is, and it's not what you say it is, is like, it's not like controlling women's bodies or all these other things that pro-life or anti-choice people say, you know, it's killing babies then why can't we all agree on this? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Another one I really enjoyed was the one about human trafficking. And again, for me, it was really eye-opening because, you know, watching all of these videos and, and like movies that depict human trafficking. Um, I mean, and to backtrack a little bit, I'm aware that it exists in different ways, but I think what hit me hardest about that video is that it's often in media predicted that, number one, it only happens to women, that it always has to do with sex, and there's this idea that it, like, can't happen in the United States, that it always happens elsewhere, so I liked how you presented that argument and just really kind of gave light to like the many ways that not only happen, but happen right under our noses and us to just not be aware that we are even in the United States surrounded by places that can really produce that type of trafficking. Mm -hmm. I remember reading an article... Gosh, God, it had to be like three years ago. I think the New York Times did a really big article about uh, nail salons. I don't know if you read yeah. that. And the fact that you, you know, brought that up again, it's, it's just something that women don't think about. You yeah. don't. And I think that like that idea of you saying of you kind of don't give thought to it because it doesn't happen to you or you feel like it doesn't affect your life. Just that one sentence of you saying that, sorry, you know, it happens in your nail salons really makes you think about how it could be happening right under your nose and yeah. you know it. It's so interesting. Like last summer, I remember going to, we visited my mother-in-law who lives in Long Island and we went to this mall 
and it had she offered to get us all mani pedis and we went to this mall and it was probably the largest nail salon I've ever been to and it maybe had 50 60 stations and just it was a machine yeah and I remember going there and just thinking maybe there you know there's the, the thing of like I don't know for sure but yeah. at this point, 60 to 90% possible that all the people working here are being trafficked. Like, yeah. Or there's like, there's just like the, the indentured servitude of it, like that yeah. you are working this off and uh, this is your price of getting out of Vietnam or Laos or, you know, and like, this is the like method of like building your own life. But in order to do that, you have to work it off. Right. And, you know, and the way that the strategies a lot of the times are, oh, you know, you get docked for this, you get docked for that. Oh, now you got to work a couple months longer because yeah. you didn't pay everything that you needed to pay to make your way. So okay. I think that's a, a big thing that a lot of people aren't really aware of. And it's one of those ways where we kind of, I think, insulate ourselves because we don't want to believe it's happening or we just choose not to see it because ignorance is honestly bliss. Yeah. I mean, cause so, it's, I mean, it's honestly, it's hard to go through the world constantly feeling everything, you know? And so it's like, I think it is one of those things where, you know, it's hard to, but it's also hard to unsee it once you know it and you're like, yeah. oh shit. <laughs> like uh, that's how I felt at that place. Now I'm gonna say full transparency. Did I could go on with the mani pedi? Yes, I did. Yeah, I wasn't paying for it. It was great, but I definitely the entire time thought this could be one of those places because when I read that New York Times article, it just felt like it. And yeah, it was one of those things. I can't confirm it's happening here, but I yeah. also can't deny what I'm seeing that that could be existing in this space of, like you said, of even just the servitude, the indentured servitude about it, of these people working their way out of poverty or whatever it is. So yeah, gosh, saying that, I feel like a piece of shit that I went through. No, I don't think, I mean, because <laughs> if anything, then you're also, you know, in that situation, it's like, I don't think it's like you boycott Manny Petty's, but I think once, I think that article actually said, like, as much as you can try to give your tip directly to the person who, right. like cash, cash directly to the person who helped you so that there's not necessarily like the way that they pull tips or keep tips or whatever. Like there's things like that. Cause ultimately like they are trying to work their way out of poverty and like, you know, it's a small business that gives jobs. And so it's kind of one of those things where it's like, ah, like, I don't know, like, do you, exploit that and then all these people are out of work it's a it's a tough situation where and it's the same thing for you know i remember this is so simple but like in new jersey you still can't legally you can't pump your own gas in jersey i forgot about that and i my my sister-in-law is from jersey and so i when i was living in new york you know we'd go out there and the first time i like build up gas it was like no like you can't and at first i was like is it feels like a weird thing to let someone you know now like have someone come out and like pump your gas yeah but at the same time it's creating jobs like that's someone's job and like that pays his bills so there is like a weird kind of like hierarchy of like where do you land on letting other people like you know it's like cleaning yeah. ladies right you employ cleaning ladies but there, there's also feels like this like weird hierarchy and like power structure of like i can afford a cleaning lady and you are coming and like cleaning my house for me but like but you're also getting, providing but you're also jobs. yeah you're also like providing an income their livelihood yeah yeah 
No, that totally makes sense. Okay, I want to go back to something you said earlier about the people who inspire you to create this type of content and how as a white woman, there are certain subjects that you feel like should be left to people who are more, that have personally experienced it or are people who are closer to that than you are. And I have to say, I commend you for allowing that space and acknowledging that. I noticed that you had a couple videos on Black History Month. I have to say, I love it. And I kind of came to this to this realization and I struggle with this as well. And I'm just wondering now in the midst of Black Lives Matters really taking off how you feel about it. You know, I've been sharing a lot of content online and, you know, a lot of different videos and I think a really explosive video, I wish I could remember her name, um, that was shared in the midst of BLM was the author Kimberly, I cannot remember her last name right now. I think it's Kimberly Jones. Um, but I know John Oliver on his show, he shared part of it. And there was so much truth telling and so much energy and passion in that video. It was it was just so undeniable. And I think I loved it. I think people who already get it, get that. But I definitely saw it being weaponized on the other side of her saying, not getting the message of the video and thinking, oh, well, she's just telling them to burn down everything and everybody's going to write. And they didn't really understand what the really specific things that she was saying within that argument. Yeah. And so it got me thinking because actually I'm in this a sidebar a little bit. I'm in this huge mom group and there's been a lot of discussions about race and people who don't get Black Lives Matter and will just black people just stop complaining about stuff. It happened so many years ago. And so this is in your LA mom group? Yeah. Uh yeah. (laughs) It's one of the biggest ones. I'm gonna just call it out LA mommies. Um I'm in a lot of smaller ones that are definitely more progressive and don't have that. And I'm I'm just going to put it out there that LA Mommies is a dumpster fire, but that I probably shouldn't stay in, but I stay in to check a lot of people. I stay in to see sometimes you see the train wreck, but you also want to help the train wreck. So um, I haven't gotten kicked out yet. If this, if someone's ever listening, I probably will. So anyway, I, I came across last night, a video by this guy, Phil Vischer. I think he's like a a pastor or something, and he's a white guy. And it's this video that's been getting a lot of views about the history of systemic racism in America and how it affected Black people. And he covers a lot of stuff in under 17 minutes. Oh, I think I saw this one. Okay. It's Um, like, it's it's white guy, bald. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen this one. It was great. And it was really great. And I noticed it had, like, at the time I watched it last night, like, over 5 million views. And I appreciated him taking the time to really give a, a really comprehensive view of everything that's happened in our country with the government, with Black people up to now. There were a couple things, you know, that were left out, but you can't get everything in like right under 18 minutes, I think it was. Um, but he got a lot. He got a lot. And I shared it in that mom group and a bunch of people loved it and they were kind of mad that it didn't get as many views as it did because the group has like 
I believe at this point, like 40,000 women in it. But leading back to my point, talking about content for Black people or explaining Black lives is that as a white guy, I noticed, and he brings it up in the comments of it, that he made a point to not make that video politically driven. So he used particular language that was just straight about the facts from A to B. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that as a Black woman, I appreciate that he took the time to do that. And I think the argument could definitely be that a Black person could create that content and send it out and people could watch it and he could get that point across as well. Unfortunately, what I feel like is that the people that need to watch it won't watch it because of how Black people are viewed. The example is that video with Kimberly. She was so passionate. Mm -hmm. You know, she was angry. It was personal to her and I get it and I loved it. But someone who does not have that same viewpoint is going to automatically look at that video and think, oh, she's just being an angry Black woman. It's so aggressive. I don't understand that. And I think sometimes as Black people, I think a good strategy for a lot of allies is like, you know what? I'll take that. I'll take Mm -hmm. that and I'll do it. And because I know I'm presented in a more palatable way, I can present that argument and make it a little bit more digestible for someone who is not going to see past this being a quote unquote angry black woman. So I'm wondering at this point how you feel about that, because I know you've done like videos on Black History Month. And I know you mentioned that, uh, as we talked about, that you feel like certain subjects aren't for you. But I don't know. I think they could be. And I'm wondering how you would want to explore that in the future or how you think about it now. I think about it in a different way of like who leads and who translates, you know? And I think what I realize is that making in so much of the work that has been done, like the the history of white women and black women is deep and rot. And like there is, you know, (laughs) of like women, like white women in the second wave of feminism and just like, you know, using organizing tactics and needing all the credit for it and like saviorism and there's a bunch of stuff there. And I think what I've learned is like in these conversations, I am not the leader, but I think where I am helpful is in that I can take the message and exactly like you were saying with this pastor, like I can present it in a way to someone who may not be there yet that is less threatening. There's less emotional trigger for me explaining it than having a black person or a black woman explain it. There's not as much emotional work that has to go into it. And it also is like, shoot. And like, and this was one of one of my good friends who's a black woman has told me. And I actually also heard Francesca Ramsey on a podcast say the same thing. It's like, sometimes we need to hear things from people who look like us. Ultimately it's our lizard brain of, you know, from a very young age, it's been proven that kids associate with the kids who look more like them. And they have more positive feelings towards that, which is like our ancestry of like, what is safe, what is not. And things that look like me innately feel safer. And so unfortunately, messages can come off differently coming from someone that looks like me that I feel now to broach those topics. I do it from my perspective as a white woman talking to other white people, not trying to like lead the charge. And that's kind of where I see my, like, so the episode I did for Ask Wisconsin was police reform. 
attempts of police reform in Wisconsin, because people may or may not know this, um, Milwaukee and Racine are three years, three or four years in a row voted uh, or considered the worst place to be a black person in the country. It is highly racist, it is highly segregated. Um, and Madison, where I grew up, is this like super white liberal town, similar to like Austin or Berkeley. Also, like it is like the epitome of like a white liberal racist that doesn't admit that it's racist because it is has its own issues. And both of those those issues are being, you know, coming to a head right now because both cities are having a lot of protests. I think Milwaukee's on like day 43 of protests and they're protesting every single day. So I took the opportunity, obviously Minnesota is our neighbor, to talk about police reform in Wisconsin because this was when like the idea of defunding the police was coming out. And like, obviously for a lot of middle of the country, central Wisconsin white what? folks, they hear that. They're no, like, I can't do that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and how do we talk about that? And so I tried to approach that subject. You know, I was not riled up. I tried to stick to the facts. I was like, this is what I could find on what has been attempted in police reform in Wisconsin. Largely, it seems like a lot of like committees get made and then nothing actually happens. And, um, and so I specifically didn't approach it as trying to like, you know, how John Oliver did it, which is like he, his whole shtick is like, he gets, it's out or, you know, it's outrageous, but like, who do you try to reach with that message? And so that's kind of the way I want to approach not only black, like Black Lives Matter, but I think in general, like how do you know, using my whiteness and my general demeanor that is you know, I'm, I am how I am and I can do my like expressions and be, sorry, people can't actually see the face that I'm making, but um, you know, and like, how do I use that to, to promote the conversation that makes it still feel safe? Even if the argument is like, well, why do they get to feel safe? But like, I just believe that you can't, you kind of have to, you're, at least not everyone, but some of us are there to help meet people where they're already at and like bring them a little bit further to our side rather than you either get it or you don't get it. Right. I feel like there's definitely a place for that. And I would just really hate for anybody who wants to enter the conversation to feel afraid that they can't because of what might happen. And like you said, you come from a place of supporting, not leading, coming from your experience, not trying to explain it from a, you know, a Black perspective uh, per se, you explain it from your own experiences and you put the facts in there. And I love that you do that. I love that more people, more white people are putting out content in that way, because I feel like for me, I agree with Francesca Ramsey. It can be, it, it's super exhausting. And like, just sometimes we just can't do it. Like I, I remember right after George Floyd died and someone inboxed me like a five paragraph thing about, I'm so sorry. And what can I do? Can you give me, and they were like, can you give me all of these resources? And I, I luckily, I didn't read it until two weeks after the fact, but I looked at oh, it and good. I was like, I can't respond to that. I can't, I can't do that for you, girl. I'm sorry. I this is way too much work for me. So I feel like more people that can enter that conversation helpfully and strategically, the more emotional weight we have to carry as yeah. Black people and as Black women. So yeah, I just wanted to see how your current perspective was on that. Okay, let's talk about Wisconsin. So Wisconsin. you're there, you got your interns, 
What? <laughs> it was awesome. Like I didn't have interns before, so it's like it's super fun. And like they're ironically, I mean, I guess not that ironically, they're all women and they're awesome, but they're also like 20, which makes me feel old. Um, it's like hearing their stories of like what's going on in like college. <laughs> You're like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm so out of the loop. <laughs> so right as of now, what is the strategy? So the strategy right now, it's a good question. It's actually what I've been wrestling with because we're trying to just, I mean, we're trying to reach as many people as we can, obviously. Specifically, I think my, in theory, what I'm trying to do is because, so in a lot of the get out the vote efforts, so it's like League of Women Voters, Vote Riders, Rock the Vote, like all these organizations that obviously do a lot. A lot of their organizing tactics involve face-to-face interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like having, you know, voting, like events like register voters or canvassing door to door or a lot of things like most, a lot of these organizations that rock the vote, like some of them obviously like have a whole, they're huge net national organizations, but some of the more local ones, it's like, they're not content creators. And so if, you know, everyone has this handicap now of everything being online and like, how do you reach people who are not inherently interested in following you know, one of these, you know, Wisconsin Democrats or the Wisconsin GOP or like any of these things that are like online and like I can follow their accounts, but like, I'm not interested. Like, this is not the kind of content that I want. So it's like, I'm hoping that by using, because not everything we post is political. Some stuff is just Wisconsin, like hokey, like, you know, you're from Wisconsin when type stuff. But and that keeps them coming um, back if they're interested because. Exactly. So the said, hope is like, much. if stuff gets shared, that's just funny then we maybe get the eyeballs of someone who's like, oh, this account's pretty fun. But it's like the strategy now is like, all right, how do we find those people? Because right now we're already getting shared and reshared a lot by the people who I think are already in the loop. And which is great because it's it's still part of the the strategy. But it's like I'm trying to find other if the, you know, the, the Wisconsin influencers, if there are any, and, uh, you know, who are like the, the mommy bloggers in Wisconsin, who is like, there's this amazing, very viral comedian called, uh, named Charlie Barron's who does something called the Manitowoc Minute. And so I'm hoping like, and his, his is like, he just plays this like super scony guy and it's, he's really talented. It's really funny, but like, he doesn't really cover politics much. So it's like, how do, how do we do something together and potentially get introduced to like that group? And like, not all of them are just going to follow us, but like some of them might. And so it's like, how do you continue to try to make stuff that gets out of the di- di- like the digital echo chamber that a lot of the like the more rooted nonprofits are in? And I, I'm hoping that through comedic content that opens that door. And so like, that's like right now, I'm kind of for the moment, just like, we're just trying to make as much as we can. And so as much as I love my like deep dive issue topics, like those take a lot of work. And so right now we're hoping to like, let's just make as much as we can, try to build an audience and then go back to the issues once there's like a little bit more of the audience is built because to have that much work on something that like only like 5% of the people who watch end up watching the whole video is like, all right, like let's make shorter stuff and more of it. Still talking about the same topics. So like, what is the, working with people's attention spans, what's the, the fastest way to get the information out in a entertaining way? And then making like still, making room to make the smarter, longer content eventually. And so, you know, we're partnering with a lot of different get out the vote organizations. Um, I'm and this is like the beauty of being in Wisconsin versus like after spending my entire adult life in the major cities and like feeling the 
pressure and grind and rat race and what it is to be in a sea of highly ambitious, talented people that are trying to do, whether it's tech in uh, uh, San Francisco or entertainment in New York and LA and stuff like that. And to come back to just to, like, this is not meant to be patronizing because it's just true, just to come back to a smaller pond and have people who are so excited that you're making something for them because we just get overlooked a lot of the times. So like, like, and this, I think this could probably be repeated in a lot of different states as a similar, like we're making something that is like the caliber or the kind of content that is usually like either promoted on a national scale or talked about it only in like national issues or LA or San Francisco or like the big cities. But like it's something that I think is resonating because people are just excited to get some attention. And so the, the, the strategy right now is basically let's make as much as we can to try to drive engagement, try to get people's eyeballs, try to get people who don't necessarily believe that their vote matters to really embrace that, especially in Wisconsin, it really, really does. Um, and have fun too while we do it. That like as heavy as everything feels right now, and it is heavy, to also still remember to laugh, um, I think is good. <laughs> yeah, so the idea essentially is to... Uh, you put a pause on below the fold so you can focus on the as goes Wisconsin content and then hopefully fold the people who are really resonating with that into the below the fold so that you can yeah. get back to bigger issues at some point. But obviously at this is point. a bigger issue at hand. I love yeah, what you said. I would say that's true. I, I love what you said about that this could be done in different states because it totally could be would you want to do it <laughs> no i think i mean i think for it to work i think the reason why it is working here is because like, i am wisconsin like even though i've lived my adult life outside of wisconsin like i never felt like i was from la or i was from cal i never felt like a californian girl like i very proudly am like i am from wisconsin and so like i I think the reason why it works is because like, I know these jokes, like I know how to do the wink of like the inside joke. And I think you, for it to work in other places, like you need to find the people who know that like lifeline of what resonates in their state. What are the things that they're proud of? What are like the, you know, like being able to make this like the something on, on Father's Day, I had my dad because my dad's a weird savant when it comes to like Wisconsin sports trivia. And so like, I just like rattled off all these questions and he got like almost all of them right. And like, people love that shit, right? And so they're like, uh, then they test themselves of how many they got, they got right and stuff like that. And so it's like, I couldn't do that for Missouri, you know? And so it's like, I think, I think if, in like a big dream type thing of how do you make something that's a bottoms up approach? And maybe there is like a central template that comes from a certain media type company where it's like, if it starts something that started here, like how do we, duplicate this in other places but that takes having the people who know their their state well their state their yeah. community to build it but like i don't think that wouldn't be me right because then you're just it's the same kind of bottom down as a crooked media or any of the news right as far as like we're trying to make something that has mass appeal which works but there is something special about being able to do something for people who it's like yep i know that yeah no, absolutely. What so far do you feel has been your most responsive video for Wisconsin? Well, 
this was not a specific, my, my like biggest fangirl moment so far. So I made a census video and somehow eventually, I don't know how she saw it, but eventually Stacey Abrams retweeted it. I know I saw that. <laughs> and I was like, I had a full uh, like fangirl, like 12 year old at an instant concert uh, moment of being like, holy shit, Stacey Abrams watched my video and liked it enough to like tell everyone to watch it. So that was really cool, but that wasn't Wisconsin specific. I would say, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of, I think I, all the ones that I'm doing with my mom are pretty fun. So like the, just for uh, the, uh, the listeners to know. So the, the original video was helping people to request their absentee ballot in Wisconsin because they were literally going to make us, that we had a, uh, our primary, presidential primary and a bunch of statewide local elections were happening, including a really competitive Supreme Court election and they kept not postponing postponing it and then everyone was trying to like how like getting trying to get people to request their absentee ballot but there's this glitch not glitch there you have to upload a picture of your id and if you're thinking about people who are not very good with technology that is not always like older people thing. like our parents older people <laughs> yeah. and being home i think one something that a lot of us feel is like the constant Kristen, how do i do that yeah <laughs> which is what my mother does. Um, and so I uh, capitalized on that and put her in that first video of me showing her how to do it, which um, that just, I mean, that just kicked the door open. Like I didn't, none of the social media handle or like accounts that were created or had any following before I posted that video. And still it was such a needed tutorial that it got shared like 400 times on Facebook. I think I ended up getting like 30,000 views or something because like people just like needed that information. And so like that has now grown into like, I would say out of the 20 odd videos I've made so far, my mom's probably started in like a fourth of them. And I feel like those are like our banter of how we are together um has become kind of a like a fan favorite of just no, you guys she's, are great together because she's a star like i now <laughs> I, I now know where my acting talent came from because she's so good um so those are really fun to make because she's just a gem and you did one with your grandmother also yes which uh because again another kind of block or if you want you can either say whatever it's Another thing that we have to do if you in Wisconsin is if you get your absentee ballot, you need a witness to sign your ballot, which is fine unless you're living alone during a pandemic and who's going to sign your ballot for you when you're exactly. trying to isolate and not get sick. So I made I she, my grandmother who's 89, 88 or 89, still lives alone. She's like she still like golfs nine roll uh nine holes of golf like multiple times a week. Like she oh, is wow. a She's a healthy woman. Uh, she's also six foot, which is where I got my height from. Um, she's like still six feet tall, Dutch. So I, I asked her to be in it. And it was so funny because she's a very competitive woman and very lucky. And that was the first video she ended up on the, um, her picture was in the Wisconsin State Journal because they published all the videos I had made up until that point to like, as tutorials and like our fa the joke in our family was like, of course, like she stars in one video and she ends up in the newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was a really cute video. Yeah. I love that you're getting your whole family involved in this too. And that they're really game for it as well. That they're yeah. like, yeah, yeah, totally. So I know before we started recording, we were talking about the fact that you had also recently got some funding. 
Yes. Now, is the funding, to clarify, is it for specifically As Goes Wisconsin or? Yeah. For, okay. So specifically as for As Goes Wisconsin to exactly that is to continue to try to educate people on get out the vote. So it's like, as you might expect, there is like, I'm specifically nonpartisan. I'm I, I, I if anyone's listened to this so far, I think they probably know where I land, but I am trying to approach the topics as much as I can. And uh, with with some objectivity, but also not saying like vote blue, vote for this people. For, like I'm not endorsing anyone, but I did get some funding specifically because it's like it's trying to help people like how to vote. And so it's through a 501c3. So it's like not like as like a nonprofit, nonpartisan project that I got this first um, this first round of funding, which is good because I can actually pay myself, and uh, which is really good, and it feels. Yeah, it it feels good just to have people excited about something you created and seeing like that the vision of it can like, oh, like this might, this might work, like no one else is doing something like this. And so that was um, both great because of my need for some money uh, to pay rent, uh, but also just to have people who like, believe in the project is is really really cool too. And as far as when you get for a, obviously, the overall goal is to get people out to vote. When you get funding of that big amount are there specific actions attached to it because for I know- this one no i mean there's okay. the only action that is like there is potential to get so w- some of the money is there i actually like which is great is they're going to test some of the messaging that i've been putting out there and basically like focus group type organizations that set this this up and being like does this you know how does how who's watching it like who is it testing well with kind of um and then if it tests so some of the money is going to that and then if it tests well, there's potential to get more money, which would be great. But like I would say the way I'm planning to spend it beyond paying myself and hopefully paying my interns um, is maybe hiring someone who actually knows how to do digital like analytics and ads and like actually grow audiences because I just want to make stuff right. like, you know, these these creators who've managed to accumulate millions of followers and stuff. It's awesome. And I don't, and I, I always like, I think beat myself up because like, is it just because their stuff is that great? Or is like, are, did, are they doing something as far as watching? Cause, like all the tutorials that are out there of like how to grow a YouTube channel, how to grow your Instagram, how to like do all that. It's like, I don't really care. Yeah. It's um, so exhausting. Like it's so <laughs> like, exhausting. Just and let so somebody else do someone, it. Yes. Like the hashtags and the tagging and the ad strategy and campaigns and like, driving people here versus there like all that stuff is like I would love someone who just do that so then I can double down on action because it's like I want people to see it so I think um that I understand the importance of that I just don't want to do it myself and so I think some of that money will be earmarked to have someone who is actually enjoys the puzzle that is algorithms and getting people to actually watch your stuff yeah and then you can focus on the bigger (laughs) picture for sure yeah yeah. Okay. So November comes and we vote. What for Wisconsin, what would make you feel good about what you have done besides what you've been doing already? What is the best possible outcome, but also the not so best possible outcome that would still make you feel like, feel okay? Um, I think if we get, so like, I think not you know, largely what happened in 2016 across the board is just like people didn't show up. Like people were just not pumped on either candidate. And like, unfortunately, it kind of feels like we're back there in the same boat because I don't know, <laughs> Yeah, you know, people, Biden's not the most inspiring candidate either. And so 
I think that there is, because I think what we miss a lot, which is like, I think my, what's become my bigger mission, whether it's below the fold or as goes Wisconsin, is like, how do you connect civics and like the stuff that we should have either learned and didn't or have forgotten in like government class of like how literally everything, the, the people we elect whether it's like the county executive, like LA, I just learned this yesterday. I didn't know this. Like the LA count, the six people who run the LA county budget, there's six people and they literally run the most, the biggest budget in the country. And it's these six people. And like, I bet most Los Angelinos have no idea who those people are. Yep. But literally how, how everything gets, you know, the entire county's budget and what gets prioritized. Like that is what those people do. And yet we don't know who they are. And like, does the district attorney do? What is, oh, can you hear me? It uh, just my, uh, to a different mic, I think. Well, plug <laughs> uh, this one in if it sounds better because didn't charge the AirPods. Um, and how does that sound? Any better? Good. good. Uh, about the same, but yeah, it'll okay. work. Okay, perfect. Um, so I think like the because if you don't, just because you're not excited about either presidential candidate, like there's still other things like our state assembly. State, like, and this is every place, right? Like there's like, you know, a third of your state senators are up for election. Like a third, like all of your state assembly is up for election every two years, your congressperson. So it's like, how do you connect with people on these other positions that still affect your life, but like, you don't know how. And like, besides just showing up, which is what I think a lot of us do. And you either like, just vote for everyone who's has an R or a D next to your name, depending on how you identify without really knowing who they are or even what the position does. And so I think trying, and that's because like, I'm really not talking about the, for the, as goes Wisconsin, like I'm really not going to talk about the national campaign at all because there's enough people doing that. And so I'm trying to focus on like what is happening in Wisconsin and potentially if you can motivate people because of like, we're one of the most gerrymandered uh, states in the country. So it's like, and with the census happening this year, like being able to hold on to, you know, being able to elect people who are in favor of nonpartisan redistricting and that can be both sides but right now republicans hold our state legislature but like if we can redistrict in a nonpartisan way to actually have competitive districts like that's better for democracy and like how do you find ways to explain that to people which is why this you know that is a reason why you should go out and vote like so it's more of those things that i feel like if we can get people to turn out more than they did in 2016 whether it's because because they're excited about the presidential candidates or because they're they know the importance of the state and local elections um i don't know how we're going to be able to measure that but that would feel you know if we got there i would i would feel be like all right i did i i contributed to that in some way yeah like i don't know how measurable it would be but like it just it feels good to be back where i came from doing something that i feel like could actually help well, it sounds like you're helping already. <laughs> okay, so for Wisconsiners, leading into what you just said, what do you think the top three things every Wisconsiner should... Wisconsinite. Well, I'm sorry, Wisconsinite. Wisconsinite. <laughs> Thank you for correcting me. Um, I know nothing about Wisconsin. No, it's fine. What are the top three things that you think going into the selection period that they should be focused on? I think, I think the big thing here, like it's what I just said is like gerrymandering. So 
what one of the things that it's actually has incredible bipartisan support they've been on i think like there's been like 17 different referendums over the last couple of years on on like the county or city level uh that have all passed with like flying colors bipartisan support of saying like we want nonpartisan redistricting however like it's in our state constitution that the the state legislature has to approve it but I think it's like Iowa is a state that did this where it's basically like a nonpartisan third party draws the actual lines. And so like that, as much as it's boring and complicated, like nothing is going to get done because if that isn't something that we actually focus on, because every other issue doesn't make it to the floor to get voted on if people who are in each seat know they're in a safe seat. So if like we, if we don't have competitive districts, and they just know that no matter what, like they're going to win. And then they don't have to be held accountable for what they vote on or don't vote on because they know that they're going to win. And so like a lot of the other things that have bipartisan support here, which is like legalizing weed, because like uh, Wisconsin's still a state that even medical marijuana is not legal or universal background checks or both sides really like we love our water here. Like we are like on the, you know, Mississippi river, Wisconsin river, Lake Michigan. We technically have more lakes than Minnesota, even though Minnesota is land of 10,000 lakes, but both sides really agree on keeping water clean. And, and so like, there's certain things that like everyone actually does agree on, not everyone, but most people actually agree on, but that just isn't making it to like the lawmakers are not doing anything about it because the same thing on the national scale, right? Like lobbying and like who's best interest, but they also don't have to like move because they know they're going to get voted in again. So I think that is the big one that because it's because of the census and like we we're like redistricting will happen against in the next couple of years is a big one to pay attention to. There's also just this like the partisan fighting is really, really bad here. And so if the state legislature, I think if they pick up like three or five more seats, they'll have like a super majority so they can basically overrule any of the governor's vetoes oh wow yeah and so there's just things like that that i think people don't if they understand what gets decided on at the state level versus the federal level um and understanding how important that is as much as it and obviously the presidential campaign depending on how you want the country to go is also really important but for me i think across the country the more that we actually start learning about the less glamorized positions beyond like the Senate and the Congress like congressman and the president, like, and how important those are and how much like difference they can actually make is also really important. Yeah. I think this moment in time is hopefully a great awakening for a lot of people in the sense that, like you said, you realize that you really have a lot more power on the local and state level and that, you know, a lot of the work as a voter involves doing more research for yourself on that. Like yeah. now that you said there are six people in charge of the budget in Los Angeles, now I'm like, I want to know who those, I'm going to look that up right away. Yeah. I want to know who those people are. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I kick myself in the butt that I haven't done that work earlier in my life. But I think a lot of us haven't because politics is almost in a way made to sound really, uh, it's, it's not something that is made transparent. Um, inherently it's almost made confusing and uh, so many hurdles you have to jump just so less people know about it and I think that people are realizing that now their job is to you know 
seek out, you know, content like yours that, that simplifies it for the mass, but also do a lot more work ourselves to understand politics on a local and state level so that we're not just worrying about every four years because there's so many things that happen in between that lead up to those moments that we don't know about. Totally. Um, okay. So you're here in Wisconsin. <laughs> you're still paying rent in LA. Still got a boyfriend in LA. We got a boyfriend in LA. This whole thing has taken off. Have you given thought to what the future holds? Yeah. I mean, I think I'm, I think as most women do, I get ahead of myself and think about all the things that are not actually right in front of me. Um, and so, uh, like the ifs and what, like the what ifs of like, all that is totally run through my head. Like I, I think I would never have thought you, if you asked me in January, February, do you think you'd move back to Wisconsin? I would have been like, no. And I think I will admit now, like the, and I think after COVID, there's a lot of people going through this, right? Like like the appeal of living in big cities right now that are so expensive where none of us are actually going to work. And like some of the, and like all the things of why you live in the big city of like going out and, and events and stuff like that, like are not available. They're like, why am I doing this? Yeah. Um, away from family. Totally. And so like, I, I think for me, it's like, I now have been opened up and like have to kind of eat my own words as far as like, oh, it's, I mean, granted it's also summer. So like ask me again in winter if I really want to live in Wisconsin, <laughs> but, um, I'll get an update for you as we get closer to when I'm going to need an yeah. update. How are you feeling yeah. about Wisconsin as, now? Are you still liking this choice? So like, I'm not saying for sure that I'm moving back. Like, I think what I'm hoping is that with the success of As Goes Wisconsin, doors will open up one way or another. Like it'll either open up as being able to continue to do something like this specifically for Wisconsin obviously there needs to be like either a platform or some distribution method and like a monetization method to be able to do that. Or ultimately I'd pack it and be like, Hey, I've made this thing in the middle of the pandemic. I grew this much. I made this many content I had on this shoestring of a budget, hire me to make stuff like this for your media company, for your nonprofit, like whatever. Like I know that like, I want to live in the arena of making stuff that, you know, making content that, educates through humor like that is that's where I want to live I don't know exactly what that can take on and whether that's in LA or still in Wisconsin like I'm open to all of it and what I I actually just like one step at a time (laughs) (laughs) I hear you girl we just gotta just gotta put one foot in front of you at this point I know Well, thank you so much, Kristen, for taking Thank this you time. for having me on. And talk with me. This has been so awesome. I know. Say, your family does not know who I am, but please tell them hello and that I, I love will. watching them on their videos. Um, <laughs> so, well, thank you. And here's to continue to stay safe. And um, also continue to push out good content. Oh, before we go, uh, can you just give a rundown of all of the places that people can find you and your content? so we can get them to follow and stay in the loop. Yes. So all of my personal accounts are just at Kristen Bry, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-B-R-E-Y. Um, and I post all my stuff on those, but then the actual uh, As Goes Wisconsin is same thing, as just at As Goes Wisconsin on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, uh, Facebook, and TikTok. 
And Below the Fold also is on, uh, if you want to go check out, there's not new videos right now, but if you want to go check out the old ones, um, it's just uh, Below the Fold at, at YouTube, um, on YouTube. And you can set up for a newsletter at asgoeswisconsin.com. Uh, and I would say in general, go listen and like find out about your local elections and your state elections and why uh, they matter. Yes. Well, I, she said it all. Go do that. Go do that stuff. <laughs> man, oh man, oh man. I love that conversation. I, as always, I learned a lot. And what I learned is I know very little about politics. <laughs> and I need, I need to know more. And I'm pretty sure I'm not alone. And, you know, this is as good a time as any to try and seek out more information and really put the power back in your own hands as a civilian, as a person in your community, and just really see like what you can do. Um, I know Kristen addressed some small points that you can do, but even now for, you know, the voting, you know, you can register to be a poll worker if that's something you want to do. You can write postcards. I know a lot of people are doing that right now. Maybe share more content. Maybe share Kristen's content. If you have family and friends in Wisconsin, I know I have a few, share. Share the content on As Goes Wisconsin with them. Share the website. Share the Instagram. I'll put all that in the show notes. And just, you know, spread the word. They have some really good content that makes what is going on in Wisconsin right now really digestible. And also, um, you can go back to our original content on Below the Fold. A lot of that is really wonderful as well, as we discussed. So you have a lot of a lot of routes, a lot of things you can do. So I hope that this I hope this episode was really useful for you guys. And um, I love that she keeps it nonpartisan so that no one can kind of use it as a as a fuel to the fire and that people can really listen to what is going on from a neutral perspective. Um, yeah, that was, that was, thank you, Kristen. That was good stuff. And I know this period in time, she is busy, 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 busy. Uh, so make sure you check out all of her content right now and see what's going on with her because we're getting close to that time. So um, as for the podcast, Make sure you go to our Instagram at that one blank friend. Make sure you go to our new Facebook page. We're on Facebook now. Go like us. Um, that one blank friend podcast. We're there too. We're on Twitter. I'm not going to share Twitter right now because honestly, I haven't been on it a lot. But yeah, you those are other places you can go and see what we're doing and see what's up. And like I said, go ahead and go like us and subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify. Um, you know what? I'm going to do a personal plug right now because one of the things I've been working on in this pandemic is I've been writing a solo show. And that has been terrifying and scary. And what's going to be even scarier is that I'm going to promote it to you guys out there for you to watch it. It's just a short 10 minutes of what will be a longer show, but I hope you check it out. The show is called Release and Let Go, A Journey of Solo Artists. So it'll be me and three other fellow artists that will perform October 4th, 7 p.m. at the Whitefire Theater. It's streaming live. I'll put the link in the show notes if you want to buy a ticket. If not, that's okay. 
I won't hold it against you, but I really would love if you would and give me that support. So yeah, that's what I'm doing. Putting in a personal plug for myself in my acting. So yeah, that's it. I will see you next time. Um, oh, these fires are crazy. You guys, if you're in LA, if you're in the Bay Area, if you are in California, please stay safe. Stay away from those fires. Stay inside because the air quality is not good right now. Um, all right. Until next time, guys. Thank you.